Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium with your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, and pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as missionsradio.org and liveleadplay.com. Go to parentpumpradio.com to leave your questions, comments, and suggestions for future shows, and subscribe to our RSS feed so you'll be automatically notified of new shows. Today, we're going to talk about internet safety, cyber safety. So we all know how wonderful our computer and the internet is. But with them comes danger, especially for our young children, like cyberbullying, exposure to inappropriate material, online predators. According to the Crimes Against Children Research Center, I found out that one in five U.S. teenagers who regularly log on to internet say they have received an unwanted sexual solicitation Solicitations were defined as requests to engage in sexual activities or sexual talk or even just to give personal information. And 75% of children are willing to share personal information online about themselves, their family, in exchange for goods and services. So do you know the dangers of the online world and the steps protecting yourself? Well, I know our guest today knows how to do it, and he's going to educate us about that. He's been in the cyber education consulting business and educating people of all ages about internet safety for the past 11 years. And he's spoken to countless schools and he loves getting parents and kids on the same page when it comes to the digital world. He loves traveling and helping families get the lines of communication open, reminding everyone that technology is just a tool and it's not good or bad. It's all how we use it. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to John Moffat. Hi, John. Hello. How are you doing? It's good to be here. Thank you. And I want to uh, let listeners know your website. It's johnmoffat.com. It's spelled J-O-N-M like Mary, O-2-F-S-A-T.com. And there's lots of information on there. And John also does tons of talks. So, if you want to come out or just look at your house, I think he'll be able to do a Stellar job on that. So, John, how did you get started on this field? That is an excellent question. I've been working with youth for the last 17 years with a focus on internet safety since MySpace hit. Remember them? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and at the time, I was working with youth in college while I was in college, and I was working in after-school programs. And when MySpace hit, I was working with at-risk youth that were posting gang-affiliated stuff on their MySpace pages. And in the area I live, there was a gang injunction where uh, a kid could be labeled a gang member, gang-affiliated, just based on what they were putting on social media. So I developed curriculum for the after-school program to teach the kids how to safely use MySpace and how to create a positive digital reputation. So it started off with just me creating a little curriculum. Then uh, we got grant funding through the company I was working with. Uh, the Vista Community Clinic, and we were able to get a grant to have me create a curriculum, have students and kids teach their peers about internet safety as well as parents. So I developed a curriculum where I would teach the kids public speaking skills, give them all the skills they need, and then they would teach their peers and they would teach parents. The, the cool part about it was 
I got to learn a lot from the students when I was doing the training because there always something new coming out. There was always something new, you know, whether it was MySpace at the time, there was sites like forums bringing all this stuff. So I was able to learn with them. So they'd learn from me, I'd learn from them and it was awesome. So that went for like two years. Then the grant ran out and I hopped from a couple different grants for a while. And then I decided four years ago, I'm going to just do this on my own. So I started my own business four years ago and it's been going great ever since. It's been fun uh, seeing the reactions of parents and students. Some of my favorite presentations are when parents and their kids are there together. Because the whole goal of the presentation is to get the lines of communication open and get parents and kids talking about technology. And I love when the parents will elbow their kids sometimes and then at other parts of the presentation. So their parents, you know, because it's not demonizing the technology or the child. It's getting everyone on the same page, which can be a challenge because things are moving so fast. Yeah, I mean, it seems like every six months there's some new app that's the new and latest app. And as parents, we can't keep up with it. No, no. Even I, it's funny, people ask me, well, how do you keep up? Well, the fact that I present to tens of thousands of students a year, and I encourage every group of them to come up to me after the presentation and tell me about things they're going through, that's when I find out a lot of the new things, a lot of the new trends. And then at each school, it's a little bit different what the most popular sites are. So when I do a presentation at a school, I look up the students at the school on social media to see what they're doing, how they're interacting with it, the positive things they're doing, and the negative. And then I highlight what I found in their area in the presentation without using the students' profiles, but profiles of students that who have made the same mistakes. So that way they get a real like, oh, this is how you do it. You actually saw our stuff. Now I will throw out hints like, I saw this particular site and I would probably take it down. And I love what I'm presenting. I look in the audience. You could actually see which kids it is, you know, because they're like, their eyes big. I'm like, what? I didn't know people could see this because they're so used to the fact that, well, my mom doesn't know I have it or my dad doesn't know I have it. So I'm safe. I know more than adults. So the scary part with especially middle school where their frontal lobe isn't fully developed all the way through all these hormones raging through them, all of this newfound power and excitement and not really the tools necessary to use these wonderful magic boxes that we're giving them. When I talk, talk to parents, I always tell parents, and I, I want you to imagine you're 12 years old, you're sitting on your bed, and next to you is a magic box. And in this magic box, you could see anything, you could buy anything, you could learn anything. Then your parents walk in and ask you, what is this box you've got there? Could you tell me what that is? And then you say, don't worry about it. You wouldn't understand. That's safe. And then your parents go like, no, I want to know what that is. How does it work? Don't worry, it's such a private. You wouldn't be able to understand it if I explained that to you. It instantly would take it away from you. You would never see it again. Like You wouldn't see it. Well, flash forward to the day, we are handing our children magic boxes every day. The second we put a cell phone in their hand or any device, they instantly know more about it than we do. And so it isn't the technology's fault. It isn't the child's fault. Is we need to be on the same page of the power and what our kids are being exposed to and how they're being exposed to stuff to really help them through this digital age. Because just putting our head in the sand and going, oh, they'll figure it out is not a good solution. Well, and especially back before the internet happened, you know, you worried about the kids talking to stranger and stranger danger. Well, now with the internet access, when they're gaming, they get to speak to hundreds and thousands of strangers. And they say that that's where most of the pedophiles live is in these gaming rooms and uh, chat rooms where these kids are talking. So I don't think parents realize that they're exposing their kids to a lot more strangers than they know. Yeah, and especially in the cell phone gaming world, we hand our kids our cell phone, even young ones. I realize in a lot of the games they download, like I'll even ask kids in elementary, middle, and high, 
And it's funny, it shocks a lot of parents. When I ask the elementary school students, middle school students, have you ever downloaded an app without telling your parents, like a game or an app, and shoot up the air? And it's not because they're evil, it's because it was free. But I always tell the kids, like, did you explain to your parents how the app works or did you ask permission? Because any app, and this is why I tell parents, any app that is currently in a device, any app, parents need to know what it is and how it works. And then I have a list of questions in my presentation about, okay, what are the questions you need to answer kids for your parents? Parents, what are the questions you need to ask? And it starts off basic, like, uh, what do you use that for? Is it a game? Is it a way to talk to whoever? These are the questions we start with. And is there privacy settings? Is there a chat feature? Who's on it? Who could see it? Meaning, who are the friends you have on there? Who are they? Because I have a contract that I have parents. I go over a contract and I say, look, when it comes to technology in the home, having a contract isn't to punish a child. It's to get everyone on the same page and protect all parties. So part of the contract, one of the things I tell parents, even if you don't use a contract, what you should have in your family is anybody that's following your child on social media, it needs to be somebody who's been to your house and met you, especially in middle school and elementary school. Nobody should be in their digital life that you haven't met in the real world. Now, as they get older, you could expand that narrative a little bit. But in middle school, it really tightens it up and makes it easier for parents to keep track. Because when you have control of that, you have control of their who influences your children. When you know they've been to your house, they're less likely to do, take a screenshot of your kid or do something evil. It's not that it couldn't happen, but once the kid had to process, okay, I know this person from the real world, but would I want them in my house? The answer is no, then they don't allow them to follow. It sort of is a built-in filter. Like, wait, do I want this? Because they really, the reason why I put that in there is they need to realize these are real people, you know? And in some cases, the, there's always that gray area. Well, I know the person from school, they're in my class. So you're telling me I need to invite them to the house? Like, that's crazy. Yes, because that's the kid in your math class that will take a screenshot of you because they have no connection to you. Yeah, yeah. A two-year-old knows how to use a smartphone now. You know that. <laughs> you hand them, they figure it out. So by the time they're in elementary school, it's old news. They know how to delete. They know how to download. They know how to use it. So what do you, in your opinion, is the right age for a child to have a smartphone? And at what age can they do what to the that smartphone? That's crazy. Well, this is where it gets interesting because you have to look at it, not just a smartphone. When are you going to allow them to think a device is theirs? Whatever it is, whether it's a tablet, they're all or a cell phone, whether you have a Kindle, you have an iPad or an iPod, anything with a Wi-Fi connection is a cell phone. So it's more about when are you ready to have the conversation? Look, my kids are not going to think any device this is. They're my device you use right now. And as far as a cell phone with a 4G connection, somebody asked my son the other day, he's nine, one of his friends, when are you going to get a cell phone? He said, when I'm 18. Now, I may need to renegotiate that, but I don't want him to think it's a right, like he's going to get it right away or as a right to it. Because when it comes to cell phones, what I tell parents is there's two reasons why parents get cell phones for their kids, two major ones. One is, look... All their friends have it, all of their, you know, all, even relatives have it, but not him, I feel, or her. They're out. That's one reason. The other reason is it's a safety concern. Do you know the world we live in today? I need to get my hold of my kid when I need to get a hold of my kid. And that's a flawed logic when it comes to the it's an important safety feature. If it is indeed a safety concern for your child, get a flip phone. It's got your number and another number in it. It doesn't need a whole bunch of numbers because when you hand them a yeah. smartphone, you're handing them a window to the world. And the second they think it's theirs, because you should see the looks on the kids' faces when I go, who here has a cell phone? They raise their hand. I go, okay, so are you aware that anything you do through that device, your parents are legally responsible for? Any text, any tweet, any video you take, your parents are legally responsible for that and their eyes get all big. And yet, how many in this room would be afraid to let your parent go through the device right now because of what they might find, especially in middle school? I go, you're petrified. 
So that is unfair. See, nothing you do in that device is private. And that's the part as parents we have, we struggle with because we want to respect our kids' privacy because we remember how important privacy was to us. But when you respect their privacy on a mobile device, you're telling that child in the world, hey, it's cool for everybody on the planet to see what my kids are doing, just not me. And I tell kids all the time, I'm like, look, these are our devices. If I go to work and I'm working on my boss's computer and he decides he wants to go through it, he could go through it. Um, the challenge some parents make, the mistake some parents make is they secretly spy on their kids. They'll take their phone when they're not looking, they'll go through it. And I tell parents, no, no, you're not making it a secret. It's blatant. I'm going to device. And this is a piece of advice I'm telling every middle school parent. If you're allowing your kid to have social media and elementary, elementary, I don't think you should have social media at all. The correct age is supposed to be 13. But why did they say 13 though? Yeah, why do they say 13? Is it just because that's the first teenage year? Yeah, no doctors got together. Dr. Phil, Dr. Drew, and Dr. Oz saying, okay, when's the right age? No, it was lawyers. <laughs> lawyers decided it's COPA, which deals with children's privacy online. If you're under the age of 13, you have to prove that an adult is monitoring it through email or credit card. Over the age of 13, that is not necessary. Ah, okay. It's It has nothing to do with... If they're ready mentally or emotionally. Yeah, and they're going to be exposed to so much inappropriate content, even on Instagram and Snapchat, that really, what I tell parents, until you're ready to have the sex talk, you really shouldn't have your kids on social media or on a device they consider theirs. I totally agree on that one. <laughs> well, wait a second. I'm not ready to talk to my elementary school kid. I'm, well, then why do you give them a device? Like Snapchat has a section called Discover where companies will put their own stories up and you can read them and do whatever. And now these stories don't stay up forever. They rotate out all the time. So your kid's being exposed to random stuff that you may not even know they're being exposed to. Like I've seen on there uh, how to take the perfect D pick and other tips on sexting. And this is within the Snapchat app by a sponsored story. So when parents ask me, why would kids be dumb enough to take a picture of themselves? Well, the app told them to. The adult mind doesn't even fully develop until the age of 25. So we're talking about 13, 14, 15 year old who half of their brain is actually fully functional. They don't even think and we're handing them this device and then expecting them to make the right decisions. So when it comes to Instagram or any social media they have, you're heavily monitoring it. And here's a mistake a lot of parents make. Oh, I'm following my kid on social media. Yeah, I have an Instagram account. I follow them. No, 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 no. You're not following your kid on social media. You take the device that they're using. Notice I didn't say their device. I said the device they're using. And you go, you click on the Instagram app within that device and you look through it there. You put in the about me section, for example, on Instagram. And you put in the about me section, parentally monitored in parentheses. So it's not a secret. You're not making a secret of this. Like, yes, I'm watching my kid. Yes. Now, guess what? Your child may lose some friends. But guess what? They're the friends they probably should have lost. Because if a kid is that afraid of parents seeing what they're doing, and every kid is, they're all little secretive little things. But you're going to sort of help be that circle of influence because... The kids that are willing to still be friends with your child in that situation are probably going to be a safer bet than the ones who, and I'm telling you, I'm all over the place. Whenever I present, I could pick out the kids in the audience, partly because I found them online and partly just because <sighs> their reactions to what I'm saying. You're like, what? I didn't know that. Like my favorite one to tell kids is, and I see this at every school I go to, kids will put profanity all over their webpage and they'll leave comments that are completely profane. Just F you mother effers, get off my page if you don't like what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And what I explain to kids and parents, when a child puts that all over their social media, what they're telling the internet is, hey world, my mommy and daddy don't pay attention to me. Come get me. Nobody's paying attention to what I'm doing. I'm all here by myself because nobody's 
nobody's telling me not to do this. Or at minimum, the parental involvement isn't that high or the parental involvement is agreeing with doing that kind of thing. So either way, you're putting a target on your back that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Okay. These teens or junior higher who are going to have these social media stuff. What do you suggest in setting boundaries? Excellent. The first thing would be middle school, there's only one account, whether it's Instagram, Snapchat. Now, I encourage and I have full support of every school administrator on the planet Earth, especially middle school ones. No Snapchat in middle school. None. There's no need. It's Instagram. Now, Instagram and Snapchat aren't that different because with Instagram, you could have disappearing messages. You could have everything. But for some reason, Snapchat, because that's where more of the kids are, the behaviors are much worse there. And catching the harassment and catching all that stuff could be more difficult because if a child takes a screenshot of somebody being mean to them, it tells that person that they took a screenshot. So it's almost like outing them. Do you see what I'm saying? So a lot of kids are afraid to screenshots. What I'll tell kids is you all know the students at this school that are being mean and using Snapchat inappropriately. And you know, nine times out of 10, when they send you one of those messages, they're going to disappear. You know, the second you open it, it's going to be something bad. So why don't you prepare for it and get another phone and take a picture of it and stop being a, a, a bystander and just witnessing it and not doing anything about it. Because you're part of the problem too when you don't do anything to act. And I understand why they don't act a lot of times because if the app's going to tell on you, oh, we took a screenshot, that's going to make you less likely to do anything about it. And then I have to tell the kids, like I have an app on my phone that records everything my screen sees, including Snapchat. So it's not necessarily going to go away, at least not on my phone if I have access to it. So you're saying Snapchat not until high school. Yeah, that's my recommendation. Only because the frontal lobe's not fully developed. The things they're going to be exposed to. Now, again, if it's used correctly, it's just a tool. If it's used correctly and they're not, uh, you know, it, what it, when it comes down to social media, there's several ways you can look at it. If you're wanting to just, okay, I want them to use this, but how do I have them use it safely? Well, when it comes to Snapchat or Instagram or anything else, every single one of their followers are people you have met in your home. Number two, the people they're following have to be approved by you. Everybody they're following. And the discover section in middle school is only looked at with parental supervision. As parents, we can set all this. Yeah, but the problem is you can't hide the discover section. It's not like you could hide this, but you could say, look, let's sit down and go through your Snapchat. And again, and this isn't a fight. I always tell parents, they're going to quote Jerry Maguire a hundred times. They're going to say this, help me help you, Jerry. I want you to use this, but if I don't understand how it works, you can't use it. So help me help you. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to show me the different parts of it because you got to allow the kid to be the expert. Look, I'm not saying that, but there are some rules. First off, I have to understand the basics of it. Second off, every single person following you needs to be somebody I know. But that's not fair. I didn't say you couldn't have them. I just said I didn't have the people on there, but I need to know who they are. But don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? Yes, I trust you. It's the internet. I don't trust. Look, I need to know who every person is on there because when I was growing up and I was your age, my parents needed to know who I was hanging out with. I didn't get to just hang out with whoever I wanted. So you don't have that opportunity either. So that is just setting the boundaries. I'm not saying you can't use this tool because all this is a tool to communicate. Now, I can go on another tangent. There is another side to, okay, I'll put it this way. And I'm starting to see evidence of it now. And okay, now I want you to think back to the when you were a kid and you would watch an old movie where it was in black and white and it was like from the 30s, 40s or 50s and a doctor would be in the doctor's office and he'd be smoking a cigarette. And you're like, I remember as a kid going to my dad, like, what? why are they smoking pots? Like, don't they know that's dangerous or that's crazy? And you would say they didn't know, they didn't know better back then, right? Well, flash forward to the day, 30 years from today, people are going to watch movies from today and go, 
they gave smartphones to little kids. Yeah. They had kids on smartphones. Didn't they know they were addictive? They didn't know they were addictive, did they? Because there was a special a couple weeks ago on 60 Minutes called Brain Hacking, where they, they interviewed a former Google staff member, and he said that they intentionally designed the apps to be addictive. So they intentionally make it addictive so that you'll keep coming back. So with Snapchat, which is designed for children, you know, you don't have a lot of 90 year olds using Snapchat. So Snapchat's designed for kids. They have something called streaks. Streaks are where you have to communicate to keep your streak alive. You have to communicate with the same person at least once a day, every day. So some kids will so addicted to trying to get those streaks. They will give their password to somebody else when they don't have access. Oh, wow. Okay. So the goal is to get as many streaks and they do this with every type of app. Now, we got to keep in mind, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever else, only 10% become addicted independent on average. So when it comes to tech, the same rules are, pro- are going to, are bound to apply. So I just when I go around, I'll have kids like, I had one girl, it was so cute. <laughs> I was at a high school and I uh, was doing a segment on their TV station or whatever. We were talking to each other and she seemed nervous. Like she seemed, didn't seem like herself. I'm like, What's going on? She's like, I broke my phone this weekend. I, you broke your phone this weekend. Yeah, I haven't been able to talk to my, I haven't been online for three days. And she was visibly upset. And we were talking about likes that week of a segment. Like, what does a like mean to you? How important are likes? And at one point she goes, look, I got to be honest with you. I have apps on my phone that tell me what the best time of day is to post when I'll get the most likes. I think business owners need to know this just to up their follower. You hit the nail on the head. They are a business now. Yeah. You are a brand. You're creating a brand of yourself. The negative side of that. And I watched this 60 minute special with my son. He's nine. And the look on his face was just like, so that's why those games do that. That's why this happens. I've noticed I was watching that special and they talk about how the apps and the companies intentionally make it so you become anxious. There's a biological response we have or cortisol is released that makes us have to check. It makes us do this. So we aren't even in control of it at this point. And I think down the line, it's going to come out. They were doing this to us this whole time. They knew sort of like tobacco companies. They're not making a secret of it now. Now that this came out, they're not going to advertise it, but it's there because they're, we're not the customer. Right. This is what the special was talking about. We're not the customer. Coca-Cola is the customer or the movie that's coming out. Whoever is that's doing the advertising is the one paying. We're not paying. We're the ones that are being used. We're the eyeballs. Their goal is to get us stuck on their app or their game for as long as possible to generate as much money as possible off of us. So they're doing it by any means necessary. So I encourage parents, and this just came out a couple of weeks ago. So I had I've just started including it in my presentation, and that is sit down and watch that video with your kids. And it's just like a 13 minute segment. And I know for our family, me and my, me and my wife and son, my son has next week, it's screen free week. I think May 1st through the 5th, where they're encouraging everybody to go screen free, like no, try to limit your electronic use. So we're going to do that in our house. Now I'm already getting anxious about it myself. You see what I'm saying? Like, this isn't me just, I always tell the kids, look, it's not like you guys are the only ones addicted. Everyone on the planet is all looking to see What's the next thing? Every time I always tell parents, <laughs> if during my presentation, your phone beeps, buzzes or vibrates, you're going to check it even if I'm looking at you because you're going to justify in your brain why you need to do that. When reality, we know there's nothing that in any given time that that is that important. And when you actually break down social media into itself, we're literally just wasting time. What is a streak? What is any of this? Who's actually looking at it? And it's funny, I'll, I'll go to some school districts and they push the administrators using Twitter and all of them need to be on Twitter, tweeting this, that, and the other. 
and I go, you always go, when are you going to use Twitter? I go, it, it doesn't, there's no return on investment for me. I'm not getting out of it what I would put into it. So for example, I told them, I go, look at who's following you. And I go, yeah, it's all of you. You're just following each other. You're just talking to yourself and you might as well just have a meeting, a staff meeting. Why are you going to do it in front? The only time Twitter really is checked by anybody is when there's an emergency. Yeah. Okay. And then you got to question if what you're finding is even true. So it's one of those things where when the return on investment for me, and I always tell people when I'm doing the training, are you getting in return what you're putting into it? And in some cases you do, but in most cases, you're just talking to yourself and talking to people that are like-minded. Well, here's the thing too. We can monitor the Instagram and the Snapchat because we can see who they're following, who's following them. But what about these video games? Because you mentioned that too, that these games are also built so that it's addictive. And these video games, you have to connect online and you're playing with strangers. I know some of these games up to 12 kids or quote unquote kids, right? Because we know that the statistics shows that that's where predators target are these 10 years old to 18 year old gamers. How do we parents, how do I monitor that when it's all different people coming in playing video games and then they're all talking to each other and who knows what they're saying to my kids? Yeah, that is an excellent question. And the unfortunate part is there is no way to control what somebody else says to your child. And there's the only thing you can control is your child's reaction to it. So when I'm training students about video games, I tell I love asking elementary school kids, what is the average age of an online gamer on Xbox, PlayStation, and Steam? And they say, 9, 8, 12, 15. And I say, no, the average age is 31. Wow. And the look on their faces are just shocked. Like, oh, what? And I'm like, and let me remind you that 99.9% of those are just adults that want to play the game. And most of them just want you to shut up if you're talking at all. Because most of the game, a lot of the games they're playing, they're not supposed to be playing. They're rated M for mature, like the Call of Duties, Grand Theft Autos, whatever else, Overwatch. But at the same time, those are the games. How do you find out where these games rated? Well, they say it right on the box. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, just like... Back when it would be in a, a, an album with explicit lyrics, explicit content, it was Santa. Oh, got it. The rating system is E for everyone, E plus 10, teen, and rated M for mature, I believe is the four. So you'll look at it. And one thing they'll put in parentheses, though, is even if it's rated like, for example, Minecraft is rated E for everyone, right? But in parentheses, it'll say, this does not include online content. Of course. And yeah. when you're playing other people. So what I explain to kids, like the most popular game that kids are playing in elementary school right now is Roblox. And Roblox is pretty much a game that is a social network too. You create a profile, you can have friends, you could follow people, they could follow you, and you're able to play mini games. And in each mini game, there's a chat feature, right? And so within that chat feature, people could say and do anything. Now, do some of the games require you to chat with other people? Yes, and that's fine. But what needs to happen is every child, and this goes for every game, and I use Roblox as the example when I do my presentation, but in every single game, you, the parent, needs to know, is there a chat feature? Is there a way to report abuse if somebody abuses your child? Because what I tell kids is, look, people are going to say mean things to you. It's your response to it in the online gaming world that sets you apart. Because unlike the real world, where when somebody says something mean to you, like you're stupid, you can't block or mute them in the real world. That would be amazing. Life would be great. Politics would be great. But in the digital world, that's the beautiful part about it. You can. Now, if the game or the server doesn't have the ability to block me to report somebody and you have an elementary school student, they're not allowed to use that server or play that game. Most games do, however. 
like Roblox has the way to report report abuse of swearing, all different kinds of stuff, threats, this kind of. My favorite one is I'll have little kids come up to me crying. I was banned from Roblox. They they will they kicked me off and said I violated their terms of use. And I was like, huh? Did you were you mean to somebody? Did you threaten somebody? No. And then I remember I go ah. Did you ask somebody their name? Did you ask them how old they were? Yeah. You're not allowed to do that. One of the things you could report on Roblox is asking personal questions. Yeah, but the kids have to know that to report that, right? To tell you that someone asked that. But if they didn't know, they wouldn't be telling you to report it. And that's my point. That's why a parent needs to sit down and with the game and go, "Is there a way to report? Let's look through this." Just like I've had to do with every game. I've, my son comes up to me all the time. He's not, "Daddy, I want to play this game." Okay, let's download it and take a look at it. The first thing I'm looking is there a chat feature because. I can't ask the kid. They don't always know when they first. Yeah, exactly. So I got to sit there and I got to go, okay, is there a chat feature in this game? Ooh, there is. How do we turn it off? Okay, here's how you turn it off. Cool, let's turn it off. I told my son, any game he's playing with any kind of chat feature, if somebody's mean to him, I want him to instantly come to me where he doesn't feel like, because I've talked to a lot of kids and they go, oh, I don't tell my parents when this happens because they're just going to take it away and not let me do it. Uh. I'd rather not tell them and just deal with it and ignore it then call my parents and have them take away my Wii or take away my iPad. Xbox or, yeah. Yeah, Xbox. So what it is, is it's like, look, my son knows now, look, you're going to hear inappropriate stuff. Like, there's no doubt, no matter where you go. The question is, when it happens, I want you to come to me and go, hey, daddy, this came up or hey, mommy, this came up. In elementary school, it's pretty easy. As they get older, they're going to wonder oh, if I bring this. But once they already know, like, oh, I could bring this to mom, they're not going to take it away. Because if you talk to any kid and they... Re- and ask them, why didn't you tell your parents? They're all going to say the same thing. I didn't want to get it taken away from me. Yeah. You know, I could just ignore it, relax, you know, I'll just mute it or whatever. Well, we need to know what you're being exposed to because there's games that don't even have chat features that have inappropriate content. Wow. Okay. Okay. So since most games on your phone, there's these IO games, deep IO, slither IO, weird games, right? And they're rudimentary. They don't have very good graphics, but kids love playing them. And you come up with a username and you go play with people from around the world. You're not communicating with them, but the username that, that they select can be completely inappropriate. Oh, I see. So it has a completely innocent name, Rosebud37. But then they're in the, the, the game they're playing, it has a list of all the other neat people playing, and some of their names are just completely profane. Now, I tell parents, your kid can't control that. And so a lot of parents go, well, then I'm going to just not let them play it. And I go, no, 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 no. That's the inappropriate response. The appropriate response is when my son plays it, He'll have that happen occasionally. He'll immediately show me. And my only question to him is, thank, well, I go, thank you for sharing. Do you have any questions about what that means or does that bother you in any way? Because I want to know what's going through his head and how he's and taking it, you know, yeah. how he's taking it in. Because I don't want him for one second to think, why, why is that bad or what does that mean? I want him to be able to not be afraid to ask questions so it gets easier down the line as opposed to him going, Dude, if he sees this again, I'm not going to be able to play. So really, it's opening those lines of communication. And there is websites that rate all the games and tell you what age they're appropriate for. What's the website? CommonSenseMedia.org. Okay. Uh, That one has a lot of great information. Again, it doesn't have everything because nobody can keep up constantly. Yeah. Comes, what I always recommend is, hey, if it's not here, Google it. Is there a chat feature in X? Is there this and that? And that... Use these tools that we have to actually get to know the stuff. And really, there a lot of these kids have downloaded games and they play them once and never play it again. Have them get in the habit of, okay, and this is where you'll get, really get to purge a lot of the stuff and the devices they're using. Okay, we're going to sit down. If I don't understand this, it's got to go. 
we're going to sit down and figure out what this, how this app works, how that app works. Now, what's going to be interesting is as you get into this, it becomes easier. But first, you're like, what is this? What is that? But then you're going to realize, oh, this game is like this game. Oh, like Roblox. This game is like Slither. Oh, okay. Well, then this one has a chat feature. This one doesn't, right? Yeah, okay. And so that way, the more you get to know it, the easier it is. But I constantly, even my, <laughs> we were playing this game right now on the PlayStation and my son's sick and the, uh, cause I love watching him and he's like, well, I wonder if we could communicate in this game. And of course he figures out how to communicate very quickly. And he goes, daddy, am I allowed to talk to other people? And I ask him the same questions. Is it necessary? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, do you need to complete an objective by talking to someone else? Cause I know not every game it requires it. And he goes, well, this game it does because we need to talk about this, this, and this. And I go, okay, here are the rules. You're not allowed to share personal information. And then I ask him, what does that mean? My name, my phone number, my school, and my age, my birthday. And I make him repeat them. And then I go, okay, cool. If they ask you any personal information, is there a way to report them? On oh, this game, there isn't, Daddy. Okay, is there a way to leave that room and go somewhere else? Yes, Daddy, there is. So as long as we understand that dynamic with whatever game they're playing, we're going to be a little bit, a little bit more at ease, but really it comes down to, look, they're going to be exposed to negative content. The beautiful part about online gaming is they can block me and report it because we don't want to raise a bunch of children that are victims, power them that, okay, this happened to you. How do you report it? How do you block them? Going to your parents isn't going to get it taken away because I know when I was a kid, that's the first thing I did. I'd have kept it to myself. Yeah. I mean, that's why they hide drinking. That's why they, they, why the kids are hiding, they're doing drugs and all these things. Cause they're like, oh, then I'll just get in trouble and I won't get to go out anymore. And then you have to look at the, when it comes to the drinking and the drugs, the, why are they doing it in the first place? Is it peer influence? Is it depression? The list goes on and on. And when it comes to the, the video game world, there, there is the idea of becoming addicted to. There's actually a Gamers Anonymous, which is a 12-step program that is an extension of Alcohol Anonymous now too, that you can find online because it is very addictive. And they intentionally design the games to keep you coming back, whether it's essentially designed to get more money out of you, to upgrade the character, or it's designed to... And that's the other thing when it comes to online gaming, when it's mobile devices, there's two types of games. There's the one, two ways they make money. There's either the game with the ads, that's how they generate revenue, or there's the game with the upgrades, the um, the fee-for-service ones where it's like, you want to upgrade your character, you do this. And that's how Roblox is, for example. So you can play Roblox for free, but if you want to upgrade and actually beat somebody else, you're going to have to pay. And then what's scary to me is, yeah, we have 30-year-olds playing, but they've only been playing for maybe five years or so, but we're having a whole young generation, seven, six, nine, ten 10-year-olds who are starting so much younger when the brain is not is even ready for addictive well, I, I find it interesting because i look at some of my son's favorite games now he's nine and the graphics on the games i had when i was nine are better than the ones he likes oh really okay they're so rudimentary in the way they set up so not every game is ultra violent not every game like i look at some of the games he's playing and i'm like Oh my goodness, Super Mario Brothers had better graphics than this when I was growing up. But it's about the interaction and the gameplay. So again, what it comes down to is in those online interactions, you can't control what other kids say or what other people say to your kid, only your kid's reaction. That's why I keep telling parents, you can't blame the technology for stuff they bring you. Kids are hiding it. And by the way, these kids that are acting all innocent, a lot of them have the biggest potty mouth of anyone at all, saying the most because <laughs> they're sitting on their mama's couch feeling really bad and bold. And that's why the looks on their faces are when they hear their average age is 31. They're like, you mean I've been talking trash to a 31-year-old? Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good chance. So what major issues do you find in the future? 
with how gaming and how these technology is going? It's really the lack of communication between parents and their kids and the apps becoming intentionally more and more addictive and drawing us in because we're really getting detached. And as much as I'm nervous for next week and being tech free, I'm also excited because you know, me and my wife are talking like, wow, I guess we're going to get a lot around the house done, aren't we? So it's the disconnection that you're talking, the human disconnection that... Well, for me, it's not that I don't do a lot of my connecting to humans through technology. Okay, maybe I'll send a text to get them to call me meet up. I'm sort of old school in that way. I'm, I don't have a Facebook where I connect to old past friends, this, that, and the other. Pretty much I have my circle of friends now and that's it. But I do see a lot of people that are constantly looking like, did I get likes for this? And this is adults, not just kids. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, how do we pull it back? In our family, it's more about how much TV we consume and all the shows we find ourselves wasting time on. And <laughs> what really hit me hard was I was complaining about my son watching YouTube. Okay, He watches other kids play video games. Yeah, that's what YouTube now is for these kids. And I, I was making fun of him. I'm like, son, why are you watching somebody else play video games? If you really want to watch somebody else play video games, you can watch me play video games. You know what I'm saying? And he goes, well, you're horrible at video games. And I go, well, son, that is just a waste of time. That is dumb. Why don't you find something else? And he called me out so hard. It was funny. He goes, did you just say my shows are dumb? I said, well, you're watching somebody play a video game. I don't know what could be dumber than that. And he goes, you and mama watch a show where people buy houses. <laughs> you know what I'm talking like house hunters and tiny houses. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, wow, yeah. we may be the dumbest family that ever lived. Like, we really are. We're not living our own lives. We're living <laughs> somebody else's lives. Because if you went to 12-year-old you, you say, hey, 12-year-old you, 12-year-old Jacqueline, hey, yeah. When you grow up, you're going to watch a show where people buy houses. Yeah, and flip them. <laughs> and yelling and screaming at each other, right? The Kardashians and housewives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're running out of time. But before we end, I want you to tell us what your current and future projects are. That is an excellent question. Well, I'm continuing to do presentations. I've been doing a lot of in-home consultations where I meet with families and help them get on the same page around technology. And this summer, I, I'm putting together a YouTube channel. I can't release all of my plans yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I'll put information in on my website as, as I get it put together. The YouTube channel will have how-to stuff. It'll have a lot of different things like that. The challenge with YouTube is when you create a video, a lot of times as soon as you're done, it's outdated because they release an update. So I'm figuring out how I'm going to approach that. Thank you for asking. I enjoyed talking with you today. Yeah, and I'll have uh, your webpage, your email, and your phone. It will be on the show notes if you can get a hold of you for speaking engagement and consultation. Encourage them to uh, email me. That would be awesome. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of your information. It's been eye-opening. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.